Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. Please welcome Howard Lindzen. Hey, buddy. Hey, my man. How are you? Thanks for the intro. I like it better, the flow. Yeah, no kidding, right? Who's on today? So today, we've got Harley Finkelstein, president of Shopify. That kind of chased him down on the internet. We had uh, Alex Danko, who's part of Shopify Money. Uh, you ever heard of Shopify, Can it? Do you buy yes, stuff on I the internet? And I remember talking to Danko. The World Wide Web. Yeah, right. so it's like Sudoku, but his name is Alex Danko. So they're literally, they don't connect. And I just went with that. It just started, it was in my head and I just said Sudoku and Alex Danko as if people will know what that reference would be. That happens. So I can't fully say that I'm a Shopify user, but I am a literal believer. So I don't know, four, five years ago, it's a public company already. I'm in Vegas at CES and all the geeks get together and we talk about investing. But this is VC Geeks. And I like getting my good ideas from VC Geeks because I can't possibly use, well, I don't know how to use it. I type with two fingers. And that is the extent of my tech experience. You know, you can only learn as much as you can type. And I don't know how to type yet. So, well, I don't know, it was like four or five years ago. And Harley will be able to correct me on dates. And two people that I totally take ideas from, uh, Vili Etchev, who at the time was maybe Corp Dev. At, right. uh, um, are we out of time yet? Yeah, close. <laughs> Speed it up. Who's Corp Dev at, uh, it's my show, who's Corp Dev at uh, Salesforce maybe at the time, and Alex Bard, who's a cash candidate, the guy's a great investor and crazy aggressive. And they're like, they're, we're talking about our favorite idea, and they go, Shopify. And I'm mm -hmm. like, Canada does not have a good track record with big name tech stocks. And I'm from Toronto, so I'm very biased against my own country. Hence, I left. <laughs> not as biased as I am against Norway, as you know. But, you know, Toronto's underachiever in everything other than proud of themselves. But because Alex and Billy pounded the table and they've made me money in the past, I just bought the stock, like 24, 25 bucks. The stock had gone public, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower. You guess where the stock is today? Hmm, I have no idea. You tell me. I, I think $1,200. Meaning I should be the guest on my show. Yeah, no kidding. So anyway, so I love the company and I've heard podcasts with Toby, the founder, and now it's like, I think maybe the largest company in Canada. It has to be, unless there's like a copper mine somewhere with a deposit that I don't know about. So it's breaking all the rules. Nice. So let me give you a little history of the company. So it's a, it's a top, it's become a top five position. Not that I own that much stocks, but uh, Shopify has become one of those companies that I, I feel I understand. It's mm -hmm. just a platform that allows people, it's like a mall in the sky. And they're in the payments business. I'm butchering it, but Harley will give us, I hope, a little bit better pitch. So uh, their vision is, uh, and, and Harley can speak to this, they want Shopify to be an entrepreneurship company. There's currently over a million stores on the platform. So imagine walking into a, into a mall wow. in Norway with five stores. That would be a big thing in Norway. <laughs> this is a million stores. <laughs> no and people would three, be yelling in a strange language at you in your mall. Hestekik. And uh, this is how far the companies come. I think they're like 120 billion. They raised a Series A in 2010. Uh, I think seven million on a 25 million post money valuation. 
do the math. Somebody's rich. They IPO'd in 2015, and 10 years later, shot, uh, their market cap, no, oh, I was wrong, $140 billion. There's not a calculator that could do that math. We're gonna, <laughs> while I'm talking to him, you count it up on your fingers <laughs> to figure it out. So uh, Aiden Senkut, Felice's Ventures, we're, we're lucky to be an investor in the company. That guy has a good eye. Uh, he supposedly showed up at their office in Ottawa, along with Amish at Firstmark. And I've had uh, Firstmark on, I've had um, senior moment, Rick Heinzman. So I'm sure Harley knows him. And after leading the round, Aiden introduced him to the portfolio company Rovio from Angry Birds and got Angry Birds to launch their first e-commerce store. So that's the history. Interesting. Sometimes it pays to have someone give me some notes. Right. This is going good. (laughs) (laughs) Launched Build a Business Competition, which gave 100K to the store with the most sales in six months. Got them some press. It's amazing. Suddenly, New York Times, everyone was calling him and asking Ask if Ben from Gymshark was one of the contestants. So from all that, Canute, to today. And so now you have the history of the company. Great company. Well, thank you. But now we got to talk about the people, uh, the vision. Uh, you know, it's a lot different than raising $7 million than it is uh, being at a $140 billion company. And how do you please Wall Street? And how do you think about the world and, and scale? So that's what this show's about. And what makes Shopify panic? So we uh, have the president of, of Shopify, Harley. He liked one of my tweets, snarked in somewhere online. He said, sure, I'll come on your podcast. And so here he is. Let's welcome uh, Harley. Hey, everyone. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I'm really uh, glad to be here. Did I, did I screw up any of those facts? Like so many of them. Uh, <laughs> are you a public uh, company? We're a public company. Uh, we are Canadian. I am Canadian. I'm in Canada. I love the Canadian underachiever thing. I think I'd love to talk more about that. Okay. Um, uh, you mentioned that we want to become an, an entrepreneurship company. That is wrong. We want to become the entrepreneurship company. Thank you. Uh, very different, of course. Uh, don't tall poppy syndrome me with the cool Canadian thing. <laughs> um, uh, and, and you certainly, you know, you, you, you uh, randomly pinged me on Twitter and said, hey, uh, I'd love to have you on the show. And, and this is how we connected. And it is funny because not only um, we're both Canadians and we, we both share a love of, of startups and technology uh, in our own way. Um, but when we had our pre-call, uh, it seemed like we, we had a lot in common. So uh, I've been looking forward to coming on the show. So, yeah, and I appreciate it. So day to day, you wake up every day at a company this size, what's, what, forgetting COVID for a minute, day to day when you can't see the team, how do you decide what's... Do you have three things that are your North Star? I know you say the entrepreneurship company, but break that down for me. When we started, the idea of selling a product on the internet was was just out of touch. It was out of reach for most people. You, you, you had to either spend tons of money with some enterprise piece of software made by IBM or SAP or Oracle or something like that. Uh, and that allowed you to build an online store. The other way to do it would be to cross sell on a marketplace or sell on a marketplace, uh, you know, like Amazon or Etsy or eBay or something like that. And that wasn't a very good way to build a real business either because you were renting customers from that marketplace. We wanted to <laughs> give everyone these tools that traditionally were out of reach to them so that anyone can very easily build a beautiful, scalable online store. And you mentioned in your intro, but sort of the Series A. Um, around the Series A, we were lucky to have some great investors like Felicis and First Mark and Bessemer come in, but some investors didn't want to come in because they thought our total address market was too small, that there wasn't enough people that wanted e-commerce software. And when I look back on that, we're sort of 10 years, 10 or 11 years now past that Series A. 
I actually think the total address market for Shopify is anyone that has ambition, anyone that has some entrepreneurial instinct, someone that wants to share their gifts, something that they've made, something that they care about with the world. And I think one of the things that Shopify, maybe this is the Canadian thing that you alluded to earlier, is that I think more and more now people are beginning to understand what Shopify is. And, and what we are is we're trying to become the entrepreneurship company, but more importantly, we are trying to build the world's first retail operating system. So that anybody that wants to sell anything to anyone can use Shopify to do so, and whether that's online or offline or through Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest or um, a marketplace like Walmart or Amazon, they can do all that directly from Shopify. And then along the way, of course, you mentioned payments and, and fulfillment in your intro. It's not really just about creating a payments business or a fulfillment business or a capital business. It's also when you aggregate a bunch of tiny little lights, small merchants, what you end up with is the sun. And what we're realizing now is we are the second largest checkout in America after Amazon. Amazon. We can now negotiate on behalf of a million more stores on Shopify and rather than keep those economies of scale, whether it's payment rates or shipping rates or capital rates or things like Shopify balance, which is you know cash management accounts, we can give those economies of scale to small businesses. And the ultimate goal here is, is really this incredible leveling of the playing field, which just has not been done for small businesses, maybe ever. Amazing. And I believe all that. So, so going back to like, what's a good, like, what's a normal day at a company this size for the president? How do you measure success? Impact. Um, at, a, at a company like ours, we have more than 6,000 people at Shopify. We were in 17 locations. Now, of course, we are a digital by default company. So we are all working from home uh, predominantly. Right. And even on the other side of COVID, we will be moving away from, I think, what was this idea of office centricity. And when you're at a company at this scale, one, I think that the leaders, but everyone in the company has to requalify for their job every year. And we can talk a bit about what that actually entails, what that means. But more importantly, the way that you have to prioritize is, is measuring the impact. And for me and, and, and my role, and frankly, what I've been doing you know, for 11 years at Shopify since I walked in the door was trying to get the Shopify story out there, trying to explain that um, in, in a very similar vein that you know, how Nike convinced the world that if you have a body, that you're an athlete. What I'm trying to do is convince the world that if you have ambition and you have a, something to share with the world, then you are an entrepreneur. And whether or not they do it on Shopify, more and more people are doing that on Shopify. But more importantly, we want to increase, um, we want to grow the pie itself of entrepreneurship. And so I spend my time telling people, explaining what the Shopify mission is, explaining that, that entrepreneurship is accessible. It is not expensive. It is not technically advanced. You don't need to have be an engineer to do so. And trying to get more people to understand that if you know how to use email, you can build a business on Shopify within you know an hour or two. And that business can grow to be the next Allbirds or Gymshark or Beyond Yoga or Fashion Nova or Bombas or any you know the million more brands on Shopify. And more and more, I think what's happening is that Shopify is becoming a proxy for the success of independent brands and, and entrepreneurs in the world. So if you if you are listening and you you have a particular brand that you love, right now I'm wearing Blue Salt, which is my favorite, right now one of my favorite brands out of California. Um, your favorite brands, for the most part, are are using Shopify to get their products in the hands of consumers. And it's something that um, we're really proud of. And, and it's it's something that I think is a really important mission, not just for our company, but but for the world. We think that a future retail that has more voices, not fewer, is a better uh, a better version of the future. And so report, that's great. I mean, I totally get it. And, and the Nike, listen, Nike is one of my top companies that I have followed forever. And I, you're right, it's about the brand. And you guys are, you've done a great job of taking it out of being a tech company into, an, you know, like you said, if you have ambition or if you have a, a mind, 
and you want to reach people, Shopify is an extension of that. So who do you report to, to Toby? Like, how does the hierarchy work? Yeah, I work for Toby. I Got work it. for Toby for uh, more than a decade now. For I'm, I'm in my mid-30s, so it's been about a third of my life. And the way that I met Toby uh, was I was born in Montreal. I grew up yep. in South Florida. Went to McGill for undergrad. Uh, things went sideways. Dad wasn't around. Family lost all the money. Uh, I didn't have very much to begin with, but whatever family had was, was gone. I became an entrepreneur at a necessity. Uh, ended up moving to Ottawa to go to law school. And had no friends in Ottawa. I had never even been to Ottawa. As you're from Toronto, you know that yeah. sort of the center of the world in Canada is is really Montreal, Toronto, or Vancouver. No, we, we look down at Ottawa. That's right. Exactly. Ottawa yeah, is, is I, sort did. Of this I literally didn't place. want to have you on because of this. That, that's right. Thank you. You're um, welcome. Uh, I, I appreciate your <laughs> candor and honesty about that. But but I'd never been to Ottawa. But a mentor of mine was teaching law at the University of Ottawa. Convinced me to go to law school, uh, not to become a lawyer, but to become a better entrepreneur. And I asked, hey, where are the entrepreneurs hanging out? And because I figured that's how I'd make friends. I ended up meeting Toby. He was just transitioning from the snowboard business to the software business, which was the, the original Shopify code base. And I ended up becoming one of the first merchants on Shopify. I put myself through law school and business school selling t-shirts on Shopify and went to Toronto in 2009 to article to be a lawyer for all of 10 months to get quote unquote called to the bar. Hated being a lawyer. Uh, hated. Where'd uh, you go? Osgood? What school did you go to? I went, to, I went to the University of Ottawa Law School. Oh, you went to Ottawa. And then I and then I articled in, in Toronto. Um, and then in 2009, I called Toby and said, the experience that I had getting that first sale, I was sitting in tax law class. I can remember it like it was yesterday. It. Uh, sitting in tax law class and I, I got a sale. It was, it was just ama- it was just an amazing feeling that I had no experience. I had very little money. Uh, and yet I was selling t-shirts while concurrently getting my law degree. And that experience of that first sale was just so important and impactful to me. And I wanted to help let others have that experience. And, and, and funny enough today, um, every 25 seconds or so, a new entrepreneur gets their first sale on Shopify every 25 seconds. And uh, that is, I mean, that is the impact. Is that hooked up to your Apple watch? And what does your Apple watch look like and sound like? Uh, I, 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 I don't wear a watch. Uh, but is there like I, a huge thing in the old Shopify office when you walk in it to show the dollar amounts happening? Or there something? was, yeah, I, I yeah. actually... I, you're not just inventing that. You probably yeah. saw me tweet about that or Toby tweet about that. But yeah, we used to obviously look at number of merchants, GMV, we, but, but also this idea of how often someone gets their very first sale, that, that first sale is such, especially a first sale that's not your mom or your, your best friend. A first sale from a stranger is such an impactful thing because at that point, not only does the trajectory of your professional life potentially change, but your identity changes. You now have confidence. You now have independence. You now are commercializing something that is important to you. And before Shopify, it was just very, very difficult to do that. So that's a story that I'm spending my time telling the world and getting more people to understand. And I look after the business groups as well at Shopify. So um, that's sort of how we split the company and split the houses, technology and R&D on one side, and then uh, business and operations on the other. And I look after the, the business side of Shopify. No, there's some great stories in there that I'll unpack and get off topic because... Knut and I went to grad school together. That's where I met you, right, Knut? That's right. Yeah. That was a- ASU? ASU? ASU in 19... So you're younger. How old are you, Harley? 35? 37. Wow. Well, you were barely I wish six we were years related. old when we graduated, I think. Something like that. Because I would ask him for money right now, Harley. I don't know. The Linsons and the Finkelsteins are not all that. So hang on. So, uh, uh, and Finkelstein's Europe? Yeah, my... Um, grandparents are Holocaust survivors. Uh, the, after the Holocaust, uh, their family so was... Polish? Uh, actually, Hungarian. Hungarian. So we're in the and Holocaust. It, it, after there's Holocaust. so many Finkelstein friends of mine in Toronto. Like, uh, 
Oh, really? Interesting. Uh, actually, a lot of um, a lot of North American families with the last name Stone uh, were Finkelsteins because Finkelstein means shiny stone. And uh, and so they when they came over to North America, uh, they immigrated. A lot of them changed their last names to Stone. But my family didn't. But we came to Canada in 1956 uh, during the Hungarian Revolution. The Canadian government allowed 40,000 Hungarians to come and, and escape persecution. And my family uh, came to Montreal in 56. Yeah. And then I wouldn't leave either. Smoke meat and bagels, Montreal bagels. I wouldn't have left. That's a big upgrade from Hungary. Montreal's an amazing place. One of the most special cities ever. I think Montreal, I'm already so sidetracked and I took an Adderall, so I apologize. The uh, So hang on. So getting back to doing what you're, you're so fucking lucky that you were saved from a life of law. Like I you saved so yourself. Yeah. I, I never, in, in fairness, I, I, I am, I mean, I have the greatest job in the world. No, not even that. Just getting out of law. But but, but getting out of law. Well, the truth is, it's nice of you to say that, but my intention was never to practice. The the idea, like law to me is the antithesis of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is, it's not perfectly meritocratic. It's, you know, some people come from backgrounds and look a certain way that they they can't raise money. They don't have those relationships. It is not 100% meritocratic, but it is the closest thing I've ever found to a meritocracy, entrepreneurship being, it doesn't matter what your last name is or who your family is or isn't. It it matters how much value you create for your your customer. Law is the opposite of that. Law, they care about how long you've been there. They care about your family connections. They care about all this stuff that I just, I didn't have. And I, 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 frankly, I found to be, incredibly uninteresting. And, and, and I felt it was all about risk mitigation. And I thought it was rather than um, value creation. And it just, it wasn't something that I, I, it resonated with me, but law school as a pedagogical experience, as a place to actually, you know, like as finishing school for entrepreneurship, I cannot think of a better way to spend three years. If you're going to. I know I dropped out myself, but uh, I agree with you on that. I'm going to give you that because I'm a dropout. And uh, that's how I met Canute. So my life took a huge projection. Now I have a podcast because I fucking dropped out of law school. <laughs> There's a, that's a downward spiral, Canute. And you're a fucking podcast this producer. This is exactly what I expected. Yeah. This is precisely what I, I thought this was going to be. I, I was hoping. I just, the fact that you were trying to prepare upset me to no degree. And I still had hope for you, Harley. And this is what you get. So um, I take this stuff seriously, but this is uh, this is exactly so what I why. I think Alex, a- Alex, Alex, Alex Danko actually prepared me for this. <laughs> so uh, if Alex is listening, shout out to Alex. Uh, Alex was was incredibly helpful in saying there's just don't prepare for it. Because, yeah, don't prepare. Uh, Howard's just going to be yeah. all over the place. And, and, and so I, I love it. And you're getting Adderall, Howie, which is a good thing, which I love. And I'm in like seven Internet fights right now. So the joy you get from seeing someone get their first sale, I get from the joy of blocking somebody on Twitter. Does that make me insane? <laughs> no. So. So I hear what you're saying, because I sat in, in business school, kind of a bum. You know, I'd already kind of, I mean, it was a floater, Harley. Like, I, I think I lived a privileged childhood, the opposite of what it sounded like you lived. So maybe I had guilt and blah, 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 and I, I, I was a floater. And, uh, but ASU, great decision for me, the sun. For me, it was the sun. Is get my ass out of Toronto and the safety of the family and, you know, the cocoon of Jewish community in Toronto and, I made that break. I don't know what was in it. Like, there, you know, I didn't know anybody in Arizona, just like you didn't know anybody in, I just knew I wanted the sun and yeah. and that saved my life. Um, a lot of good Jewish Canadians actually end up in Florida, not ugh, uh, Arizona, actually. I laugh at the fucking movement to Florida. Good luck with the mosquitoes and the humidity and uh, the, the endless strip mall or whatever the hell it is in Florida. But God bless. So, Saw, sawgrass Mills, I believe it's called. Yeah. So, and by the way, we went there 
and I give my dad credit, and I rarely do, is that he didn't like it either and liked the desert. And the first time I came to the desert, and we, you know, we had a home here, luckily, um, it just resonated with me, the colors and the, uh, the dryness and everything. And I like biking and golf. So, so when I went to school, I sat in the back row, and Canute can attest to this, and I didn't trade stocks. There was no Robin Hood. He had to still call Winthorpe or whatever it was doing. And I was calling my Winthorpe for my one share of, it's like I was reading the fucking Wall Street Journal. Tra- nothing interested me except trading. And uh, here I am, you know, an investor in all these crazy, you know, so, so my passion, like, and it would have been e-commerce. For sure it would have been sales. But you, you can understand in 1989, there wasn't even the internet. And so you guys are empowering this generation, what I look at Shopify as and what I look at entrepreneurship as and what you guys are doing is freedom and speed, right? The, the ultimate thing about entrepreneurship versus law is speed versus friction. Law is all about slow down, triple check. Did you think about this? What's the next move going to be? Whereas entrepreneurship is about just going forward. And, yeah, it, uh, it's risk minimization versus value maximization. It's sort of the, they're almost polar opposites of each other. But this idea of entrepreneurship, you know, we're sitting here in 2021 talking about entrepreneurship and it's something that, you know, we all know probably, you know, entrepreneurs, friends of ours that are entrepreneurs, family members, my wife's, you know, an ice cream entrepreneur and my, my mom's an entrepreneur. Like p- so many people around me today are entrepreneurs, but that wasn't necessarily the case even five or 10 years ago. No. And, the, and the reason was it, it wasn't because it was, uh, it wasn't cool or there wasn't enough blogs about it, or there wasn't great YouTube content about it. It was because for the most part, this idea of entrepreneurship, by the way, if you go back when my family came, uh, came to North America in 56, entrepreneurship was basically a survival technique. It was, you come off the boat from Eastern Europe, from a place like Hungary, you don't know the language, you have no money, you seek out this, this thing, you don't even know what it's called, to put food on the table. And for my grandfather, that was selling eggs. For my grandmother, it was a small textile business. Um, but it was, it was this means of survival. And I think they, they, they hammered it home, at least for my parents, for both my mom and dad, that real success is not being a small business or an entrepreneur. It's becoming a quote unquote professional, a yeah. dentist, a lawyer, an accountant, whatever that might be, because they wanted a better life for their children than they had for themselves. And the irony is that, um, entrepreneurship for me is sort of the third generation immigrant or, you know, uh, or second generation on my, on my dad's side is that fundamentally entrepreneurship always was this way to solve problems. Um, you know, you, you went to bar mitzvahs like I did when you were 13 years old. And I mm-hmm. thought watching these DJs at bar mitzvahs was just such an interesting thing. Yeah. These people had this energy about them and they were able to take a sleepy crowd eating rubber chicken dinners and 10 minutes later, the entire crowd, they're doing conga lines around the room. And I just, this idea of creating energy and creating a vibe, I just thought was so compelling. And so I called around when I was 13. So this is like 1996. I called a couple DJ companies and said, Hey, uh, I would like to be a DJ. And of course they said, you know, have you ever DJ? My answer is no. Do you know how to DJ? Answer is no. And so the one thing my dad did for me, because uh, he couldn't really give me money when I was growing up, but every time I had a silly business idea, he would make me a business card that said, you know, Harley Finkelstein, CEO of Silly Business Idea. And that was this incredible confidence booster. And so I ended up starting a little DJ company when I was 13 and hiring myself. And then when I was at McGill, needed to make money, I started another company to put food on my table to help support my mom and sisters. So it's so interesting to see the evolution of, of the brand of entrepreneurship. 
And then you fast forward till today, and now you have people commercializing their hobbies. Now you have people taking something that they feel really compelled to, to share with the world and, and building it. There's a, I just did an interview with this amazing uh, entrepreneur out of Brooklyn. His name is Noah, and he has a company called Hedonist, um, like, like Heat. Yeah. Uh, isn't oh, hot Heat, Hedonist, yeah. Interesting. And he created Hedonist, and his story is amazing. Um, he was working in an agency in New York City. And he was like the hot sauce guy at the agency. So every lunch he would go and he'd bring out his little cart of hot sauces. And at some point it just clicked. He's like, I don't really want to be working in this agency. I actually want to be in the hot sauce business. And so he sets up shop on Shopify, opens a tiny store in, in Williamsburg. And now this is one of the greatest, you know, hot sauce retailers. He collaborated with the Hot Ones, which is the complex, incredible YouTube, massive YouTube show, Hot Ones. He's deeply involved with that. But this idea that, human beings in 2021 can take something they love, can take a hobby, a passion project, and they can turn it into the next, you know, big thing is amazing. And, and while, you know, people always, uh, you know, we, we, you hear the, the Kylie story a lot and the Kylie Jenner story, it may get too much airtime and people may be sick of hearing about it. But the reason it is so interesting is that here you have someone, in this case, a celebrity who deeply cares about cosmetics and lipstick and, and goes ahead and creates a billion dollar brand with eight people. Now, maybe she had uh, an advantage because she had a following and an audience, but she created a billion-dollar cosmetics brand with eight people. Or Jeffree Star, who did makeup tutorials on YouTube, who decided, I'm actually going to start creating my own cosmetics and selling those cosmetics and creating Jeffree Star, get on Shopify and building one of the biggest, hottest brands on the planet. That ability to go from idea and, and, and to, to, like you know, I guess, cradle to scale so quickly, that was not possible five or 10 years ago. And we don't take any credit for the success of our merchants. And, and frankly, the success of Shopify, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, it's very kind of you to, to hear you talk about Shopify in such positive way, but the success of Shopify is the success of the million businesses on Shopify. Absolutely, You've taken the swoosh and unbundled the swoosh. That's it. And I have my own way of getting to my own points because I have no idea what I'm going to say next. And it just starts making sense once in a while. But what you guys are doing and why I've held the stock, because I never hold stocks like this. The world has changed. Harley, when I was a kid, you had three choices as a successful Jewish kid. Lawyer, doctor, preferably one that does the least amount of work, the skin kind. What's the skin called? Didn't they have like three creams for everything? Dermatologist. Here's a cream. Same fucking cream. Uh, so smart Jews were doctors. Uh, accountants are lawyers. If you were an entrepreneur, you were a furrier or you had a deli. So no one wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? So true. If you don't want to be an entrepreneur now, you're an idiot. You're, you're talking about, by the way, it's so interesting you mentioned um, a freer or a deli owner, because in both cases, I think a lot of the reason um, we all, like, you know, everyone that I know that was an entrepreneur when I was growing up, my father's friends, my mom's friends, they were in the schmata business, right? The sort of the garment business, yeah, right? They were furrier, have a pelt. It's because they had low barriers to entry. And so fundamentally, you had to go into those businesses because they had low barriers to entry. You were able to go or and start a little deli. That, exactly. Or you took over your family's business. One of my yeah. favorite books and favorite movies is, is The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz. And I mean, this Amazing. describes that What's his name? world the actor was, so well. Uh, senior moment. Uh, uh, Dreyfus. 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 He was so young. You know, I'm going to go watch that. You know what? It's bad enough I'm off point. Can you take something to focus? Sure. Have a sip of coffee. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna have a, I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> drinking my, my green tea right now, which is uh, a wonderful way for, for me to focus. All right. So, um, and Montreal is a schmutta town. That's like where all the smart schmutta people totally. came from. 
That's right. Um, Dave Tisha's wife was from there, and her family was the Shemotipis. I forget her. American Apparel was built there. Dove Charney comes from there. Buffalo Correct. Jeans comes from there. Parasuco comes from there. Buffalo Jeans. Uh, Industries come from there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, that garment district, it's called Chabanel, that area, is iconic. And, and when I had a t-shirt business, there was this coffee shop in the garment district called uh, Gentili. And I used to sit there, <laughs> this is not a joke. I used to sit there taking notes and listening to these much older people than I was just talk about the industry and the business scene. And I would just sit there and, and just literally take notes. And I, I found out that there was, um, there was an open house uh, for a company called Giant Tiger, which is uh, a big uh, retail chain in Canada. And they did um, every Friday afternoon, you can just show up at their offices and you can try to sell them something. There were buyers there and it was basically a walk-in you know, buying experience. And if you had a product that you wanted on their shelves, you would just show up there. And I used to go there week after week, trying to sell them different types of t-shirts and products. And, and it was a great experience at 17 years old, but that was that scene there. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, amazing. I, I, and it'll come back. So on the unbundling the swoosh, you have all this knowledge in your head of what you've seen done and right and wrong. And in the end, I got to think one of the stresses is you're launching rocket ships and some of those rocket ships will deplatform. I don't know if that's the right word or go off platform kind of like CAA has an Asian, like, so Albert, they, are they still on Shopify or are they off shop? Like they started correct on Shopify. Yeah. That's one of the best parts of our product is that the product makes it really easy to get started. It's $29. It's very simple to use, but as you grow and you scale, the complexity of Shopify reveals itself over time. It doesn't overwhelm you when you're just getting started. And so all the stores that, that I've mentioned, whether it's the Allbirds or it's, it's Fashion Nova or it's Gymshark or Beyond Yoga or even some of the Procter & Gamble's and Unilever's that, that are on Shopify, we don't really have this graduation off of Shopify. And the reason is, as you need more things from Shopify, more functionality, maybe you need cross-border task compliance or you need multi-currency functionality or you need something that early merchants don't need. That complexity is, is available, and, but it reveals itself over time. So you have these brands that have grown to be billion-dollar brands on Shopify, and they stay with Shopify. And that is very different. I mean, you know this, you know this industry as well as I do. In most software industries, there is a natural graduation. Thank God. But I mean, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I think, think about accounting software, right? You start with the Excel spreadsheet, and then you move to QuickBooks, and then you move to Zero, and then you move to Oracle Financial. We don't see that on Shopify. We see huh. people starting on Shopify, growing really large, and staying with us indefinitely because there's so much scalability built into it. In fact, some merchants, Kylie actually at some point, a little Shopify trivia, left Shopify because someone said, you're too big for Shopify. She ended up going to a large enterprise platform and she had a flash sale and it completely fell mm. over. Uh, it, it, it crashed the platform. The largest flash sales that are happening right now in modern retail are happening on Shopify, whether it's uh, Palace Skateboards or it's Kylie or Jeffree Star or it's Fashion Nova. And, and, you know, every, everyone in between Drake's store and, and every major celebrity's brand is, is, for the most part, is on Shopify. And so the scalability part of it is a huge part of our competitive advantage. Yeah, if I was in your job, the, the only thing I would do every day is divert all calls of certain influencers to me. Do you do that ever? Have you found yourself saying, hey, if Drake calls, just send them up to Harley? Uh, some of them actually just come directly to me, which is, which is really, really fun. Like, I'm going to do a store uh, tonight. Is it okay if I call you or can it? Yeah, you, you can. Well, you're, you're, See? you're a huge influencer and a huge celeb. So I will take <laughs> your call. But, but by the way, let's just, let's just, uh, I know, I know we, we you have a, a topic you want to get to here, but, but before we do that, think about this. When, when, when you were going to concerts, when you were a kid, you were a teenager. Springsteen. And, uh, Super use, for Springsteen, I was, I was going to say, uh, as a Canadian, tragically hip, I went, I went to go see the tragically hip at the Montreal Forum when I was 13, I think, or 12 years old. And, um, 
I remember I wanted to buy a, a t-shirt. And so I go to the merch kind of shop uh, on level two of the forum. And the t-shirt was like this Gildan t-shirt. this like crappy made t-shirt with a crappy screen print and had all the tour dates on the back. That, by the way, is not a real brand for the band. I mean, that is really a promotional product. What you're seeing now from these celebrities on the topic of, of celebrity and influencers is actual product extension, like Drake's OVO line or Justin Bieber's line, or certainly, you know, the, these incredible Fenty from Rihanna, all of these, these lines are beast mode apparel from, from Marshawn Lynch. These are real brands that they have built. They have longevity. They are not promotional products. They're extensions of the artist, of the celebrity, of, of, of whoever's behind it. That, by the way, is a very new thing. And, and that's, that's an exciting evolution of brand, I think, that has not fully been understood. And we actually, we hired John Wexler, who was at Adidas for a long time. He recently came to Shopify to help us think about this because he sort of built Yeezy with Kanye. But this idea that celebrity brand, they're building more than just a t-shirt that says Beyonce on it. They're thinking about how to create Blue Ivy product. They're thinking about how to create a line and they have seasons. And I think that's an amazing new evolution for retail. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so the TAM trap is what caught the original investors and we all fall victim to the TAM trap. How do you guys deal with that? Because, you know, in the end, you got to please the hedge funds and the investors and the institutions and you're at 140 billion. So what's the biggest stress between you and Toby? Or do you not think about TAM or is the TAM endless or thoughts? In terms of TAM, Shopify has over a million merchants. We are in 175 countries, although I think international is something that we've only really embarked on, you know, finding product market fit internationally. So there's massive runway when it comes to the international side uh, as well that, you know, you're seeing us put out a lot of that stuff right now, whether it's particular payment gateways or app partners or new fulfillment connections or just more integrations to marketplaces that are not relevant in North America, but very relevant in a place like India, for example. International is still an area that we have not fully penetrated. But beyond that, I mentioned at the beginning of our, of our chat here, this idea of the retail operating system. Mm -hmm. One of the key things to understand about the retail operating system is that everyone comes to Shopify for a very different reason. Some people come, a lot of people come to build an online store. But there are people that come to build an offline store as well. They want to have Shopify point of sale. Hmm. Some people come because they want to sell on Instagram or Pinterest or Walmart.com. And so there's all these different on-ramps into Shopify for different reasons. But once you come in and once you, you satisfy that particular, you know, the job to be done, then you realize, wait a second, I just came to build an online store, but a lot of my traffic, and we'll tell them this through reporting and analytics in their dashboard, a lot of your traffic may be coming from Pinterest. You should activate the Pinterest channel. We will say, you know, we've now taken a look at your sales. We want to offer you $20,000 of capital, either as a cash advance Correct. or as a loan. We have a billion dollar capital business. But I think the key for us is to, just to keep creating as much value for the merchant that you shop as possible. And the ultimate goal is to be the most important piece of software that they use every single day. And I think for a lot of the merchants on Shopify, we are the most important piece of software that they use. And, and so that is what we focus on. How do we keep adding value? That does not mean we're going to build accounting software. Uh, because frankly, there are great accounting softwares out there. Our job is to integrate with them. But there are things that we think we can do a better job of than what was already being done. We, we created the Shopify Fulfillment Network because we think we can do a really good job of fulfillment by connecting these individual fulfillment centers all over the US and adding great warehouse management software to it so that merchants can leverage the economies of scale on fulfillment. Um, some of the things that, that you probably heard from Alex Danko when he was on the show is 
uh, this idea of Shopify balance, where we can create a, basically a credit card, but also a way for people to manage their money and their cash flow, because we think that most banks don't really understand the current needs of modern retail businesses. And so that is what you're seeing across Shopify, that you're not seeing just one particular channel or one particular type of selling. You're seeing us try to build infrastructure and product so that whatever you're selling and to whomever you're selling it to, you can do all that directly from Shopify. And as more channels are created and as retail becomes more complicated, the value of Shopify goes up because we continue to simplify it. That's great. Where are you hiring the most? Probably Canada still. And what role? We're going to hire uh, 2,000 engineers or uh, 2021 engineers in 2021. So that's a, a big, big push for us right now. We sort of came out a couple of weeks ago and said, we need to hire, uh, you know, 2000 engineers this year. Uh, that's a big role for us. Um, and location now can be anywhere, which has been a huge advantage because for a long time, it was very difficult to move a really great person to Ottawa in February. Um, if they're coming from California and now, you know, because we're digital by default, we don't really care where they live. And your customer support must be bananas. So, does people run through a school? Because you're, you're a customer is an entrepreneur and there's no worse customer than an entrepreneur whose lifeline is the sales. So I know people say that, you know, the small business customers is one of the most challenging ones, but, but well, we, we have a, a, it's important to them. Like I'm saying, like it, Bloomberg, it, it, well, understood it's, it's livelihood. exactly. If they turn off their blog, they may not be able Correct. to blog for that day. If something happens to their Shopify store, they may lose their livelihood. And so we wear that responsibility. We feel that onus every single day. Again, because we're not just some piece of software they use, we're the most important piece of software that they use. And so our Shopify support organization they have to actually play two roles. One role is, of course, technical support. You know, how do I configure this thing or how do I integrate with this particular app or how do I, you know, change something in Liquid or, or uh, to the CSS? But there's an entire other aspect that our support team plays, which really is, is business coaching. It's, hey, I'm not getting any sales right now. Or, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling with, with pricing on, on payments. And, you know, and, and, and we sort of direct them and say, hey, you're on the wrong plan. Or, you know, hey, have you thought about, you know, if we look at your dashboard, here's what the dashboard tells us. This is what your uh, reporting analytics tells us. Have you thought about activating the, you know, the, the Walmart channel or the Instagram channel? Have you thought about That's what I'm saying. Like your, your customer support people need to be like. They are amazing. They are, it's not they, an easy job is what I meant. Like it's not just, hello. Super, super, Super difficult. We actually have uh, something called Bridging the Gap where all of us, myself included, spends time on the front line um, every single year where we talk to merchants ourselves, where I'll, I'll do customer support, either on the sort of coaching side or on the technical side. That is so important. And so that's one of the ways we stay very close to, like, um, to the If I was going to tell some young kid, here's a thought from Howard. It's not to you. It's to my nieces and nephews and people struggling. I would apply... If I wasn't going to go into enterprise sales, and this has just come to me just like I'm bundling the swoosh show, and I tell most of my nieces and nephews, be an engineer. And then I say, like Jerry Seinfeld says, start writing. Also, most people don't know what that means. The third thing I would say is the new IBM is enterprise software, which is go get a fucking job in enterprise software. And go get a job at an enterprise software company that's product is flying off the shelf because then you'll learn in an environment and get the best tools. My fourth thing now I would say is, do what you can to go work in customer support at Shopify because you will learn the fucking web and you will be able to start your own store or be in high demand at any other DTC or e-commerce company. So that, that's what I would tell my kids. 
is that a sought after job or are you? It is. Yeah. We, we have about 2000 people in that role at Shopify, go. which is. And you're always hiring there. And we're always hiring for it. I would say any entrepreneur listening, go apply for that. Yeah, Careers.shopify.com. Check it out. Come on, people. That is a great opportunity. But, but one thing I would say also is remember that Shopify is the company built for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. There are so many of us that either have ran stores, that currently run stores on the side. My wife has an ice cream shop powered by Shopify. Toby's wife has a business powered by Shopify. This is very close to our heart. This is the company that we ourselves, you know, we're looking for. And, and so that type of empathy, you can't really build it unless you deeply understand the needs and the, the trials and tribulations of entrepreneurs. And, and I think a lot of people disproportionate Shopify feel that relative to other companies. So an amazing company. Congrats. Um, 11 years there. Uh, is it as fun today? Yeah, it, it actually is. Um, it's more fun today. When I first came into Shopify, I was a handful of people. Uh, I was sort of the first non-engineer technical person in. And part of my job was just to be the Swiss Army knife and just to do all the stuff that no one right, else wanted right. to do or no one else could do. And and maybe that's, that's wrong. It's not that it's more fun. It's totally different now. That's the neat part. So, you know, this idea that every year my job completely changes um, you know, in 2015, I had no idea how to, how to take a company public. I had no idea how to, how to manage a public company. I didn't understand the bake-off, the roadshow. And so I, I tend to, when I need to learn something, I tend to try to learn from the people that are doing it in a way that I, I'm really, you know, I admire and, and that, I, that I, I find I can, I can learn from. And so the neat part about Shopify is that every single year, the scope and scale of Shopify gets bigger and bigger. And it means that my job completely changes. Um, but Shopify as a company and, and as a, a sort of a quote unquote, a job, it's at the epicenter of everything that I care about. I, I care deeply about entrepreneurship. I love technology. I love this idea of independence and, and, and what it does and creating freedom for people. I love the fact that it's always unique and, and whether it's going on a podcast with someone really influential like you, or it's going on CNBC, or it's talking to a group of entrepreneurs or people that may want to be entrepreneurs and, and, and bringing them along and say, look, like, this is something that all of us can do. This is accessible. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's this puzzle, you know, we, um, in 2014, we noticed that some of our merchants were getting really big on the platform. They were starting with us, as, as we said earlier, and getting really, really large. And so we wanted to launch Shopify Plus, which is our enterprise offering today for much larger merchants. But in a way, you know, what, what, how most companies do that is they move up market and they focus on up market because although the CAC is bigger, you know, lifetime value is bigger, the churn is less, it's, it's a higher, uh, it's a more stable type of customer. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to be the place where new businesses were created, but also be the place where those businesses that are really successful can stay. That is a puzzle. That means that we have to figure out a way that how can we help billion dollar brands, but also help, you know, Joe entrepreneur, Jane entrepreneur at the coffee shop get started. That idea of always being super challenged and always finding this, this incredible new opportunity to grow. That is exactly how I, I love to live my life. And, and I'll, I'll be at Shopify for as long as Toby and the board allows me to, but um, it's, it is my life's work. And, and uh, I feel grateful for that because most people don't get a chance to do their life's work during their life. They end up doing it sort of after they retire. Yeah. I mean, I like to tell that to my kids, you know, I can't influence that many people, nieces, nephews, people that read my stuff. And I'm like, I'm on the search for helping people find a path that just brings them joy. You can work and have joy. Like they're just, it's possible. And that wasn't possible for so long. That's right. So uh, the opportunities are endless. The um, Does he always wear a hat, Toby? For a long, very, very long time. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. I, I love that. I love that. It, it's just so him. That's one of the neat parts of Shopify is there's, there's no personas. It, it is, we, we are, we are what you see. There's, you know, and, and for better or for worse, we, we are authentic and we are genuine in who we are. And, and, you know, we don't put on hats just because, you know, we're, we're going on, we're doing some public appearance. Um, it, it's, it's a play. And that's one of the nice parts about building a company in Canada is that there's a little bit, um, we're, we're sort of outside of the, of the bubble of, of technology startups and certainly of Silicon Valley. And, but it's allowed us to build a company with people we really care about doing challenging things for a very long time and loyalty and 10 years longer, which means that you can have much larger context. I, I want to see more companies built out of Canada. I think it's a great, great place to build something uh, that, that will have a global impact. If I needed a gig, where would you fit me in knowing me now a little bit? What would be the good role for me at uh, Shopify? I'd put you and Alex Danko on a podcast and just have you guys talk about the future of financial services for entrepreneurs. I think that would be amazing. <laughs> what does that pay? Can you check, double check, back check? Got it. Note to Alex Danko. Yeah, if you go to careers.shopify.com, <laughs> Alex will review your application. What stresses you? What, what is the paranoia? You have to be paranoid about something. Uh, a couple of things. One is uh, trying to figure out how to scale culture virtually. Uh, that's sort of a new paranoia or a new thing that I, I think about. Um, culture is something that we think is not something that is set in stone, but is very dynamic. With every new person that joins the company, the culture should change uh, and, and it should get better and better. But scaling that culture and that connection, I'm a sort of a power extrovert. I need to figure out, I, I, I'm trying to find ways to connect with my team and the people that I, I work with. Uh, that's something that I, I'm thinking a lot about right now and how do we do that? And you know, right now we're in, we're in a lockdown, um, literally a stay at home order in Ontario. So, and so we, I can't even leave my house. I can't, you know, I can't go meet up with a bunch of folks at, at a park or, you know, at a ski hill or anything like that. Um, but the second thing is, I don't think that there's very many companies that have the opportunity that Shopify currently does, which can literally change the direction of people's lives on mass at massive, massive scale everywhere in the world. And squandering that opportunity is something that I want to make sure we do not do. A lot of companies, you know, start with this idea and, and, and for one reason or another, they don't make it. But we have this incredible runway now. We have this incredible momentum now and not wasting it and making sure that we have the biggest impact possible. Like, it's great to have a million merchants, but how do we have many, many millions of merchants? How do we turn the entire world into entrepreneurs? And again, if they don't use Shopify to do it, that's okay. But, but again, most of them will use Shopify. So how do we become the entrepreneurship company? Because there is no entrepreneurship company. There is a company that owns social, social media, and Facebook is, is about as close to that as possible. There is a company that owns search, and that's, that's Google for the most part, but no company has yet to really own the term and the idea of entrepreneurship. And I think Shopify has the best shot at it. And I, I would be very disappointed if, if, if we didn't uh, achieve that, if we did not take advantage of that opportunity, because almost no one else has had an opportunity like this. Amazing. And if you could, uh, not somebody at the company or family, if you could hang around for a day walking around New York City, who would that be? Seth Godin. Seth is someone I, I do walk around New York City with from time to time. He's a mentor of mine and a friend and one of the smartest human beings I know. And he's made me a better entrepreneur, but also a better father and a better husband and a better human. And it would be unequivocally Seth. Has he let you rub his head? He, I don't rub his head. I, we, we hug, but we don't, I don't rub his head. But if you rubbed his head, would it be, would it end the friendship? I think he'd be okay with it. We're, 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 we're pretty close. So Gonan is amazing. He's, he's a great, great thinker and a great marketer. So that's a good mentor to have. Uh, how'd you meet him? Uh, build a business. Uh, you mentioned the build a business competition years ago. Uh, Tim Ferriss 
basically accused us of, of, he said, Shopify is amazing, but most people think that entrepreneurship is, is out of reach. You have to do something to incentivize uh, the creation of entrepreneurship. So we created this competition called Build a Business. It became one of the largest competitions on the planet for entrepreneurs. But the prizing year one was a hundred grand. Year two, I think was, was a bunch of money as well. But the winners became, were growing so big that giving them a hundred grand was not sufficient to, to incentivize anyone. So we began to create these once in a lifetime experiences, mm. um, spend a week with Richard Branson on his private island or go have lunch with Seth Godin and, and he'll cook for you. And, and that's how I met Seth. Wow. Great job. Uh, impressive company. I uh, appreciate uh, the riffs and uh, taking the time with us and uh, hopefully we'll get you on again soon. I'd love that. Thank you. You and I should take the show to the Catskills, I think, and, and Jackie Mason it up together. Dude, I'm trying. Don't tempt me. <laughs> Have a great day. Thanks, Howard. See you. Did I ask enough questions there? I, we, I didn't want to keep them anymore. I think you guys covered a lot of areas. You get the awesome. This yeah. is one of those companies. The numbers aren't what matters. It's like you got to like believe in the swoosh. This is a company that's going to... Canada's had this thing where like Nortel and blah, 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 and these companies mm-hmm. like... This one is, seems unstoppable. Right. Like they, it's just going. I mean, what's amazing about these companies is there's COVID people. Like, you know, it's not even, you know, it's like business as usual. These companies are like bulletproof in many ways. Right. And they have so much competition and not any one competitor, whether it's Square or Venmo on the payment side or Walmart or Amazon or Facebook. It's not like they, it's like easy pickings. So, um, all right. You're listening to Panic with Friends. I was Harley Finkelstein, president of Shopify. Uh, one of my favorite companies. And now we have a better understanding of why. We've had Alex Danko on the show too. So uh, if you like learning about investing, entrepreneurship, being in a rocket ship, hit us up. Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Search my name, Howard Lindzen. Hit the subscribe button. Once a week, we come at you with people like Harley. And um, I appreciate uh, everybody tuning in.